Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday mornings come around again, and it's time for Let's Talk Gardening. Hey, gardening friends. The Gardening Show today is sponsored by DeSacco Mulch. Make your garden grow with DeSacco. Available at all leading garden centres and DeSacco.com. I'm Ray Burton and I have Mark Tuchek in the studio with me this morning in the chair for Faye Akaro having a lovely morning off. We hope. I know she's in the garden. The gardening team are on hand, Bev Daring, John Glidden, and you can call us right now on 94841927 and you can also send an email to us at gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Big shout out to the dynamic duo, as always, Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton. Quite a team. And, uh, of course, we do enjoy our regular little Saturday morning cycle with Jim Crinan. And Jim will join us again at 10 a.m. this morning with the classic 70s. How are you, Mark? I'm very well, Got Ray. all that out. I know. Thank yeah. you very much for having us along this morning. No, thank you for coming in. You brought a little bit of a few irises. We're talking about irises this morning. And uh, it's certainly iris season. And aren't they just spectacular? It's and the a, colours you've got there, amazing. It's a great time. Uh, spring's a fantastic time for these Louisiana iris. And I just brought a couple of the early flowering ones in to talk about later Because on. do you find um, that with the season and the weather that we've had, the winter that we've had, everything's a little bit behind? It's I'm tr- finding that in my own garden. Oh, you're, you're so true, actually. So I was just telling you before, we were in the middle of... Uh, potting up um, the water lilies and uh, they're supposed to be loving the heat and the sun and it, actually it's been freezing up in the hills it's been like you know, it's been four pretty, degrees and pretty cold down here on the flats too I, I know yeah and so the poor little things are kind of uh, they're supposed to be growing actively and they're just kind of shriveling up a little bit yeah so. we don't want that no yeah so no it's been it is difficult and as I say even in my own garden for what things that were flowering this time last year they're just starting to think about it now <laughs> they're about a month behind it's you know, true almost, well know. I haven't had my sprinklers on since April did so, I did um, I I've been very lucky there so uh, yes it's been a great season it's a, we've had a real winter for a change we have we yeah. have and uh not to complain a lot of people are a little bit what's the word over the rain uh but we'll be complaining about the 40 degree days soon and when you've got a garden rain is very important to us isn't it it is yeah, so. so enjoy it while we've got it and yes. uh it's a beautiful day nice and still on the river i just went over the bridge and it's a beautiful day oh, it's stunning out there absolutely so we will talk also today about at an open garden coming up next week. We're chatting with Nuala Abondanza at about 20 past eight. Now, this garden is up in Karama and it looks very, very cottagey, very, very pretty. So that is happening. It's We're right smack bang in the middle of open garden season and there's been some crackers out there as well. So we, we encourage calls now, 94841927. And also I was reading that you've won an award for making gin with native botanicals that is just quite a achievement at the royal agricultural society that's just quite left of center isn't it it's, it's true how did that all come about well it was a funny story uh, 
I used to play a fair bit of volleyball back in the days, right. and uh, one of our mutual friends, um, uh, their brother actually, is uh, uh, got his own distillery. It's called Wandering Distillery, and he was inquiring about native botanicals. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my friend Mandy said, "Oh, you should you know talk to Mark," and uh, so we got together, had a bit of a yarn, and. There's lots of people making gin at the moment. There is. It's quite in trend, isn't it? It is. Yeah. They're making gin with a lot of the kind of traditional native ingredients like lemon myrtle and things like that. Yes, yes. And there's lots of lovely gins out there. But I thought I'd give him some more unusual things to uh, to play around with. And uh, so uh, he came up with this combination. It took about a year, actually, of experimenting with all these different things. yeah. So in the gin, it's called Nomad Gin. Nomad. Yeah. And it's got this uh, native thyme, which I bought in today, uh, which is flowering at the moment. Oh, yeah. So How beautiful is that? Yeah, it's got native thyme in it. It's got sea parsley. And it's also got that samphire, which mm. I'll talk about in a little bit. Yes, please. And also uh, the gelatin wax. So it's got that kind of lemony, zesty... So with a, with a nice gin like that, would it be sacrilege to put tonic water in there? Are these gins designed to drink, I don't know, like a martini? Or how, how do you best drink a quality gin? Well, I'm, I'm not a G&T person, person myself. <laughs> my, my wife certainly is. And uh, she's a fan of uh, using better tonic. You can use tonic water. But, there but there's s- different levels of tonic water. There is. Out to there. bring out the best of the quality gin that you're drinking. It's not cheap. Not cheap. These are well. They're not the most expensive gin, and mm. they're not the cheapest anyway. But uh, it's really quite an unusual combination, and it's quite different. And uh, but I think gin lovers would appreciate it. And you can certainly smell when you put it in neat. You can smell these native botanicals uh, in it. In it. And yeah, that's important. That initial taste. Because I can smell that actually wafting over the desk right now, the native thyme. It, yeah. You know, so what? It, it, what's the flavour, how different is that to a normal thyme? Oh, it's it's quite um, it's quite different. Um, yeah. It's almost got a little bit of a minty uh, back tone Cue to, to, it. to mm-hmm. this one. Mm-hmm. Um, this prostrantha over east is... Sometimes it's even called a mint bush. So, but it changes when it's uh, used fresh and dried. You know, mm. so it, um, it's quite different. And we're drying it this time of the year uh, to include the flowers, so you can use it in a, in a tea. So it's quite a versatile plant, actually. This one here uh, grows to about two meters. Uh huh. And. These lovely purple flowers, you know, are just fantastic this time of year. It's just covered with these yeah, purple flowers. Yeah, it's very, very pretty as well. The bees love it, and it's a great uh, native plant to have in your garden. And if you want to um, season savoury dishes with it too, you can use it in um, things like bolognese, and it's really quite a versatile plant. plant. So. And, and I guess we need to obviously think more outside the square with some of the more, I won't say exotic herbs, but the, you know, the tucker bush range that you have. There's a restaurant in Perth, Wildflower, yes. isn't it? And I had the, um, uh, you know, I was very privileged to be able to eat there several times recently. And the ingredients that they use is classical and the complexities of the flavours of what I ate was 
second to none. Yes, yeah. So and it's like, oh, I need, I have to go back. You got to save up. It's not expensive. It's an occasion restaurant, but gee whiz, the, the if you want to experience this style of food and having it prepared really, really well, really well. Yeah. yeah. So head chef there, Matt Satori, because we supply wildflower with these it's ingredients. It's just, oh yeah, yeah. And he's very creative, and he's always coming up with uh, new things and different ways to cook with these. Uh, particular plants because mm. we're not really familiar with them, you know. So, no, no. I mean, this has got a common name called native thyme and it helps people associate it with what they would use it for yeah. with thyme. But uh, if you've got something called a midgen berry, like, you know, what yeah. do you do with that yeah. and how do you cook with it and things like that. So, uh, yeah, Matt's are very creative. They've um, won uh, quite a few awards for uh, Wildflower. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and great um, reviews too. So yeah, um, well deserved. Sometimes when you talk to people, they go and, you, and the code, so do they serve witchy grubs, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I said no, no. It's it's just you have to go. You have to try this quality of food. Uh, it's just on a whole different level, isn't it? It is, and yeah. just the 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 care and attention to detail oh. that they <laughs> they put into their dishes too. Yeah, it's exquisite. It's amazing. But we're always uh, coming up with. Uh, new varieties and he's very quick to embrace those and uh, so once I, I've trialled a few new tuckerbush plants and bring them into the mainstream and to you know, give them to him so he's um, you know, quite creative and yeah. willing to do something like that too. Yeah, so. no to, to go out on a limb and I don't know are there many other restaurants in Perth doing what he's doing? Oh listen, starting to starting to up. a lot more like mm. our Mandoon Estate is yeah, embracing it as beautiful well. Beautiful there. Mm. And uh, there's um, other restaurants too. There's a 10-acre block in the Pan Pacific, yes. uh, which is just a vegan yes, uh, restaurant. Yes, that's got a good rap too. Yeah. Uh, Mother in Fremantle, mm. uh, they're very creative down there and uh, so worth a visit there. These places are worth checking out, absolutely, yeah. just to experience, uh, yes, this, this type of quality of food. And I think, yeah, as you say, I think this is stepping forward into the future and it's encouraging people just to experiment a little bit more and uh, yeah. think, out, think outside. Now, you wear a lot of hats. Uh, you're no longer the sales manager at Domus, are you? So no. you're focusing on your own nursery more so, which is water green. That's right. So water greens up, up in the hills, we uh, grow, you know, over 100 different varieties of water plants. And uh, we supply all the main uh, nurseries um, in WA with uh, pond plants, uh, yeah. aquatic plants, and a lot of them kind of even moonlight as indoor plants too, so uh, mm. as long as you just keep them damp. But uh, yeah, it's a terrific time up in the nursery at the moment because uh, we do have, uh, a lot of them do go dormant over winter, and uh, like you said, because of the extended uh, cooler period yeah uh, a few of them are taking their time to wake up so we're madly potting up there at the moment so it's full steam ahead but it's it's terrific when they do wake up it's it's yeah just a bit of joy you know you you it's like walking in the garden it's like da -da. I know. yeah i know here i, I know. am look yeah. at me <laughs> i need a bit of attention a bit of love and yeah. uh yeah we just divide them up and pot them up and they love it. They really respond this time of year, a little bit of fertiliser. So, yeah, no, I'll get you to step us all through the actual proper care of irises. There's two types of irises. There's your bulbous irises and irises from rhizomes. What's the main difference there? Yes, there is. Well, the iris group is really quite large too. It also it's huge. includes things like mm. uh, bearded iris. and uh, Yeah. But th this time of the year, the, uh, the, a lot of popular 
irises in the nurseries are Dutch iris. Dutch irises. Which are bulbs. Bulbs. Mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, they, they come out, they look spectacular, but they only flower for a short time, you know, so they're like... And that's, a, yeah, I like I like to get more bang for my bark. Yeah. I so, want more, more flower for longer. So mm. they're like a shooting star, if you like, yeah. and I'll just... Um, just go sideways here. Mm. And this one here, if you have a look at this, uh, this is a Louisiana iris, mm. okay? And even in the Louisiana iris group, there's about six different types. And this one has a frilly petal. This one's got a frilly petal. and But if you notice that um, they, they bud, uh, they flower at the top, and they'll actually bud down the stem. so Almost like a gladiolo. Uh, correct, yeah. yeah. So the gladiolo uh, do the same kind of thing. Hmm. And uh, so you get a longer you know, flowering period out of Louisiana iris. And this one's called um, Oh Happy Days. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I like that. And got a really unusual yellowy. Love the shade of yellow. Bright yellow, frilly type of petals. Mm. And uh, it's one of our collector's ones. So, Is it? Yeah, we, we grow a range of just you know, common the purple iris kind mm. of thing. Mm. And they're like a mixed bag. But we've started to select a few of these um, name varieties. And they're in a bigger pot. Uh, normally we sell them in a 140, which I'll show you over there. Mm. Uh, so that's the bigger one. But um, very easy to grow. Uh, all you have to do is just keep them damp. Damp. And so are they better off in a pond or you could literally just keep them damp in a pot? You can keep them damp in a pot. Which is the best for them? Uh, either way. Either way? Yep. So they'll grow really well in a pot. Uh, normally we don't recommend having a saucer underneath plants because mm. that affects you know, uh, root development and things like that. Uh, but in this case, over summer... Uh, you can sit this over the This is an exception. Yeah, mm. sit a saucer underneath it just to keep mm. the, the potting mix constantly damp uh, because during the warm weather they won't like to dry out much and they'll go yellow very quickly. And if you keep them damp and don't stress them, mm. they'll actually flower for a quite a long period during the spring months for you. So, Do they – their, their food cycle, What? how often does one feed them and how do you feed them? Yeah, we, we just use uh, the Osmocote, which is a good slow-release yeah. fertiliser. Mm -hmm. And – we just do it this time of year. Um, we use a, a three-month, three to four-month osmocote uh, because they tend to use it up very quickly. Use it up, okay. And while they're flowering, you know, of course they tend to draw on resources, so they need a little bit of food to get them going. And uh, that's really all. We, we actually occasionally liquid fertilise them this time of the year too as they come on, and uh, that's it. They're very easy to look after. Full sun for them. Uh, if they're too shady, then they will stretch a little bit and the, the stems will get a little bit floppy. You know, they won't yeah. be able to support themselves. Yeah, okay. So full sun for those and um, just really easy, rewarding plants to, to grow. Yep. So do any irises need shade or they are all full sun? Oh, these ones really prefer full sun. They'll mm. take a little bit of shade, like, uh, mm. but if they're too shady, like I said, they'll they'll stretch a bit. Okay. Uh, okay. This one here is also one of the earlier flowering ones. This is, this is um, a really different one. If I describe that to listeners, it's almost a burgundy. Yeah. Sort of, it's a rustic colour, isn't it? And it's got a completely different style of, 
uh, flower petal. That's right. And form, hasn't it? It's absolutely beautiful. It is, yeah. This one's uh, iris fulva. They call it the uh, the copper iris. Ah, yes, copper's a good description. And uh, so it's got this kind of coppery, burgundy-type flower. Mm. And you can even see the leaves are a little bit um, thinner and longer as well. Yeah, very elegant. And, again, just um, little... Uh, they're starting to flower in drifts at the at the nursery. That would be amazing. And they look spectacular. I'm very drawn to that one. Yeah, so it's it's a lovely colour, and uh, so this will be hitting the uh, the nurseries uh, actually this week coming. And okay. This one possibly next week, and then uh, they'll start from now on. So okay. Really, you can look out for October. Those. Yeah, October is the best month to look look out for those, and they'll be flowering all through October, November. Yep. Oh, beautiful. Okay, 94841927. We will be chatting about the beautiful open garden coming up next weekend up in Caramar. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening special guest in the studio with me this morning, Mark Tuchek. Mark Tuchek from everywhere. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, you're a tucker bush man. You're the water green man. You have a, I know you have a coffee business. No, not anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah, so okay. I've had to... Uh, Cut you know, back. Cut back because I was doing too many things, Ray. You know. Sound like Basil Zemplis. Oh, well, he's Basil everywhere too. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so just concentrating on the tucker bush and also on the water plants now. Okay, that's good. I think that's more balanced for you, right? I'm getting older, Ray, too. So. Uh, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Yeah. All right. Now, uh, we're just having a little bit of trouble with uh, a phone number getting in touch with Noala. So the guys out there are sourcing uh, a contact for her. And uh, Ruth has come with a question. Uh, she's wanting to know how do you fertilise irises? She's in Port Kennedy. In ponds, yes. Yes, yeah, good question. So uh, what we tend to do is if they're already in a pond, um, if you uh, put in a very soluble fertiliser, you run the risk of uh, polluting the water and making the water green. Yeah. So that's why these... Uh, slow release um, osmocote is very good but the trick is actually you want to get it underneath there into their root zone so the way yeah. you can do it is you can get yourself a little bit of um, uh, a little round PVC pipe yep. and uh, you can just kind of poke it underneath them and then just put a little bit of the osmocote uh, down the tube and then as you extract the uh, the tube out uh, it just the soil will close over and keep that osmocote underneath the root zone and when we pot them up, we just put a little bit underneath the potting soil as well. Hmm. And so as long as it's not a soluble fertiliser that uh, can get escape into the water and, and pollute the water, um, hmm. and then you'll get kind of algal blooms and things like that, uh, you're right. But that's probably the best way. If you've got irises in ponds already, a lot of the times they don't need it because they're actually... Uh, using the nutrients from leaf debris and things like that from the uh, the soil to to so, feed themselves. Yeah. yeah, if they they're flaring away, I wouldn't really bother about fertilising them. If they look a little bit yellow, that kind of thing, then you can certainly do it this time of the mm. year. Yeah, mm. I had an iris come up last year, and uh, like most, I'm still experimenting with things. And I'm pretty sure I'm just off the top of my head, it was a a Dutch iris, and it came up to the stem, everything all very form, and then the actual leaf, the sorry, the flower just came to nothing. Oh, really? It was all there. It's a blue. It was a fancy one. I always go for something, you know, that's a little bit different, blue. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I'm in business. I'm getting my first absolutely, you know, stunning flower. And um, 
just fizzled out. Oh, that's a shame. And I, I did speak to Faye about it, and she said it's either a water issue, which shouldn't have been in, you know, in the Burton household, uh, or a food <laughs> issue. Again, should not be an issue in the Burton household. Oh, no. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, that's that. that is what I've done wrong. That is. Except sh- it's getting more shade. Oh, okay. Well. Um, Dutch iris can take a little bit of shade. I've actually got a few of those mm. in a shady spot out the back there. But, yeah, like you said, um, if at any point, because it's quite taxing on the plant to produce those flowers, yeah. at any point it becomes stressed or not enough food or things like that. Yeah, but, okay. But, yeah, odd. Mm. There we go. Normally they're, they're kind of bulletproof and look after themselves. <laughs> well, I've got others at the moment that have been given to me, as people give you irises, don't they? Yeah. And uh, they're all going gangbusters. So we've also got a few other comment, comments coming in. Sandra of Henley Brook, uh, can her red-stemmed talia be grown the same way as the Louisiana iris? Yes, okay. So the red-stemmed thalia is a beautiful plant, and but unfortunately it's just been... Well, classed as a weed now, too. Has uh, it? Has it been? Yeah. So we used to grow that. Oh, and so now you And uh, Yeah. So the, the Ag Department have got their uh, West Australian Organisms list where they kind yeah. of classify these things. Yeah. Um, so, well, as long as it's good that you've she's still got one as long as it's contained. Um, red stem thalias are, they go quite dormant during winter mm-hmm. and pretty ratty. And they come up quite tall, um, mm-hmm. a lot taller than the iris. They'll probably get up to about uh, one and a half metres or yeah. so. Beautiful red stems. And they've got these unusual, um, the other common name, I think it's called alligator lily. Oh. And uh, But, yes, yeah, so you can just grow them the same way. They like to be kept wet um, all the time during the growing period. Over winter, it doesn't matter if they dry out a little bit because they're going dormant. Mm. Uh, but it's a great foliage uh, plant and a nice, tall, strappy, upright, upright plant. Okay. Mm. Thank you. And Rosa of Beckenham has phoned in and she's wanting to know if she can leave miniature daffodils, iris and gladys, gladys in pots when dormant. Do you put the pots away? Yes. So well, how do you look after them, I guess, while they are dormant? Okay. So... You've got a few different... So you've got some spring-flowering ones there. Yeah. And which are doing their thing this time of the year. So the miniature daffodils and iris, that kind of thing. Uh, the gladioli tend to flower a bit later on, you know, during the the warm months. So um, the idea is when they go dormant, like the daffodils and things like that, you don't want to be over-watering them in a pot while they're dormant. Because, no. Yeah, no. the bulb will just rot away. Yeah, quite um, right. So... Uh, the idea is that if you keep them on the drier side, they don't mind a little bit of moisture, but on the drier side when they're dormant, but the fact that she's got gladioli, which are becoming active at a different time, mm. uh, you just got to run that balance between not overwatering the dormant ones and keeping the, the gladioli going. Mm-hmm. All right? I'd probably tend to separate them uh, if she's got separate pots. Uh Oh, maybe she has got separate pots. I don't know. Uh, I thought I kind of assumed they were all in the same, same pot. No, well, I, I, I no. See, my my, 
I'm looking at that thinking they're in different pots. Okay, we don't know because yeah. do you put the pots away? So I don't know. Um, assuming that they are in separate pots, they can be treated separately. Right, yes. So what would you do with the gladdies? Yeah, so yeah, definitely you just put them aside and uh, just forget about them. Literally. And uh, then, you know, as long as you're observing, you see them waking up again, mm. that's when you need to apply the water and fertiliser. Mm. And same for the, uh, the daffodils. Um, after time, you'll need to repot them. Yeah. Uh, but certainly in the interim, when they go dormant, just put them... Leave them, leave them sleeping. Aside. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they'll be fine. Okay, no, that makes sense. All right, well, I might get you to tackle a few emails, of sure. which we have uh, uh, quite a few. There was one that I received uh, in my office yesterday that you've got your hand on. Yes. So this is uh, from Sandy. It always and... feels like you're at telethon when you're in here. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Thank you, Sandy, for... Uh, Donating your, your question. <laughs> okay. So um, how to care and prune uh, pokey howers. Uh, they're uh, a New Zealand Christmas tree. Mm. And she's got a 30-year-old one and a 10-year-old one, respectively. And they've got some kind of dieback happening from leaves drying off completely, then progressing down the branches at all the top third. and But the bottom third's flourishing, so they must be reshooting at the base. Um, I live on the coast. Subject to salty winds, but never had a problem before. Well, they're you know, extremely hardy things, these New Zealand Christmas trees, and mm. great for coastal planting. Uh-huh. Um, the fact that, that uh, they've got a little bit of dieback happening, um, yeah, maybe they've been just been blasted too much, and they will respond to a bit of love. So mm-hmm. uh, normally these things are set-and-forget type plants, and you don't have to look after them at all. Mm. You, know? Um, you know, The occasional trim will encourage some new growth. So if she wants to um, trim them now and fertilise them and apply a wetting agent, they'll bounce back very easily. You you believe that won't be fine? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, uh, a little bit of dieback is probably incidental. And you remove that dieback? You can probably cut it out, but uh, they really won't need spraying or anything like that. Okay. So just a bit of love, fertiliser, a wetting agent, a bit of a trim, and they'll come good now. Uh, they'll really respond to Well, that's good news. That kind no, of thing. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Now, we have found uh, our guest this morning, Noala Abon Danza. No, she is the owner of the Bella Casa Garden that is open next weekend, part of the Open Gardens WA scheme. Noala, we had a little trouble finding you. How are you? Yes. I'm very good, thank you very much. I believe you had a little trouble finding me. I, I have trouble finding myself this morning. I, I relate. Yeah, I, I, I am the same. I am the same. I have trouble finding myself most days off. So, yeah, yes, uh, it's part of part of getting older, right? Oh, that's for sure. Oh, my God. And Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's my excuse. And uh, sometimes, sometimes when we've got too much going on. Now, tell us about this uh, stunning, what looks to me to be a very cottagey garden, the Bella Casa. It's a very cottagey garden, uh, lots of roses and lots of bits, I call them bits, tis, you know. Um, the garden is, uh, I've been, I moved into the house in Easter of 2003, uh, was in a new build, and, um, you know, I was gardening, gardening, gardening crazy. So the first thing I did was I built the picket fences and uh, put them up. Then I brought in a truckload of mushroom compost. Ah, yes. So that in and uh, started from there with some standard roses and it grew and it grew and it grew and it's still growing. <laughs> There's always a space for another plant. <laughs> yeah, so, well, you've got over a quarter of an acre, so that's a nice little 
Yeah, I mean, I'm on Hatch. a corner block. Yeah, and I like corner blocks because they're yeah. much more private than, you know, in the midst of. Um, yeah, but, mm. um, yeah, it's it's a nice garden. I think people will enjoy it, actually. Is it the first you know? time you've opened at Noir? Yes, it is. I mean, I've thought about it for a long, long time to do it, and there was always a reason as to why I didn't do it. So this year I went with it because I had a situation with breast cancer and stuff like that, and I thought, mm-hmm. this is my goal. This is what's going to make me better, and so on and so on. Yes. And so I said, right, let's go for it. And so I made a decision and got in touch with the powers that be, like the darling Cynthia. Yes. And uh, made all these arrangements, and here we go, mm. next week. No, congratulations. We're just looking at photographs of it. It looks uh, like there's something there for everyone to go and see. And as you say, it's also uh, a fundraising initiative for yes. the Breast Cancer yes. Care yes. WA. Now, I'm just having a little bit of a read through. Uh, yes. It is pram and wheelchair friendly to up to about 50% of the garden. Yes, uh, yes, it is, yes. There's, there's paths. So there is still opportunity for people to come and see. Yes. I mean, obviously, if someone is very, there's, there's parts where you can sort of twist, we say, a wheelchair around, okay. uh, which makes sense because you're going off a path into a garden bed type of thing, a garden grassy area. So, the, you know, the entrance to that may not be as good as it should be for that particular idea, but there's certainly areas that you can the certainly opportunity. look Opportunity, okay. Yes. What sort of plants can we expect to see? What are some of your favourites? Well, roses are the big thing. I've got oh, yeah. probably about 150 roses in total. Wow, okay. When, when you see, you know, when you see them, because there's so much other stuff and there's the salvias and there's the well, usual cottage plants, you know. Yeah, yeah. And what about the roses? What are your faves there? Well, my favourite rose of all time is Pierre de Ronsard. Uh-huh. And, I love, yeah. and I love that. I mean, I love a lot of the David Austin roses, but, you know, they're not always, um, how do I say this? You, to me, with David Austin roses, because they're so cabbagey and delicious looking, you need to be sort of looking up at them for to get the true effect because they're so heavy. That's right. Sometimes they fall yeah, down. Follow you. Down yeah. look, you know. So they're good as climbers and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, but I mean, I do, and I love uh, um, the Princess de, Ma- de, de Monaco. How do I say that? Yes. Yeah. That one, I like that one as well. Um, I mean, I like all roses, really. I really do. I'm not a great lover of red, even though I have a few reds, but mm-hmm. I have them because people gave them to me and I could never not keep something. <laughs> <that I liked. laughs> no, we're all like that. We find, we find a place. And what about trees? What sort of trees do you have? Oh, my heavens above. Here we go. Um, I've got uh, some um, spring flowering. I've got a... a a weeping plum just coming into bloom now. Pretty. And then I have um, the Ditsia. I've got the Ditsia out there. And I've got a, a jacaranda yes. on one corner and then a jacaranda on the other corner. And that's about it as regards trees as such. Um, yeah. And how much work have you been putting into this garden, Noella? How long right. have you been pre- prepping for this open weekend? Well, not very long, actually, because... I don't want to get into me. No, that's fine. Health-wise, I was, haven't, haven't been great. My husband's been a great help. Um, so probably the last, say, two months, and the weather has been a bit against us, really. Sure in has, yeah. You plan on going out tomorrow, and then it's bucking down with rain and yeah. so on and so on. So, yeah, but, I mean, it's, it's, in, it's in pretty good shape, actually. You know, I'm quite happy with it at the moment, and I do believe we're going to have roses in bloom next weekend because that was my... That was my... Uh, I 
Yeah, yeah. So, and my fear that there wouldn't be, and I think, oh my God, if people are coming and expecting roses in the sun. It sounds like it's coming together and that you've timed things yeah. very, very yeah. well. Now, you're at 21 Fernhill Avenue in Caramar. Yeah. Yes. And it's open yeah. next weekend, the 16th and 17th of October from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Correct, correct. R- refreshments yeah. will be available. Yes, apparently so, yes. <laughs> and the team the, are coming in. We call them the team. The team are coming in and some, yes. some think that's the best part. Yes. But yes. Uh, no, this garden looks absolutely uh, as pretty pretty as a button. When I'm when I'm looking at the pictures as I'm chatting to Noala, yes. it's yes. colourful, it's cottagey, and it's just a different t- style of garden. And um, It is, and I mean, a lot of people won't go for cottage gardens here because they think they can't do it. And, and look, another thing is, in fairness to all of that, uh, you, for this, you have to have a bore. You, know, yes. you can't just depend on two. Uh, it's not two going orders. to happen. Yeah. It's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. You know. Quite right. Um, and, 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 and the other good thing, probably, am I talking too much now? No, other, we love the it. The other good thing about this is, um, like, even if the garden is not, um, with the blooms, the, you know, the roses and everything are not in bloom, there's plenty of structures in the garden as well, which kind of compensate. So the garden never looks like empty, if you understand. Yeah, there's always something to look at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's over it is. It's over it is, really. <laughs> yes, no, it's beautiful. Look, um, we wish you all the best. We encourage oh, thank you. Uh, everyone, if they can, to get along next weekend to yeah. have a look at the Bella Casa and, as we were saying earlier, fundraising initiative for Breast Cancer Care WA yeah. and yes. certainly on behalf of Open Gardens WA. Thank you. All right, go well, young lady, and we'll give uh, another mention to remind people next weekend as well what what is happening uh, next weekend. We'll give it another mention and uh, pop it in the diary, everybody. And you go well. Take care and thank you for your time. Thank you very much for your call. Take care of yourself. You too. Cheers for that. Okay, that was Noala Abondanza from the Bella Casa Garden, and it looks in the photographs that I have here very, very pretty. Yes. Do you like a cottage garden? They don't, not so much in vogue anymore, just simply because, as she's saying, it's not that they're not in vogue, it's the water that is required, and it is required. Yeah, to have a true cottage garden, some of them are very water-dependent, things like that. Yeah. But really, it's all about um, selection. Soil and, and soil preparation. Soil and preparation. And so much more, can't yeah. we? And, mm. uh, and plant selection, too. So it's, it's quite possible to have even like a native cottage garden, too. Yeah. So just picking the right type of plants now, yeah. too. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, she sounds very passionate and <laughs> yeah. and it's a great time of year to get inspiration. Just people need to get ideas and things like that. Well, I think that's one of the best parts of going along to any open garden is coming away with inspiration and ideas. Perfect. Yeah, and I believe the gardens that were open last weekend, unfortunately, I could not get along. Just about slashed my wrist, but uh, they were spectacular from all reports that okay. the two gardens that were open last weekend. So um, I think the, the bar has been set and the standard is very high this year, which we love. Okay, 94841927. Back shortly. Curtain Thank you for your company this morning. You are tuned into Let's Talk Gardening. Special guest in the studio in the chair for Faye Akari is uh, our good friend Mark Tuchek. And I have to mention that Faye welcomed her fifth grandchild into the world this week, Archie. Yes. Uh, yes, and uh, she's absolutely thrilled. And he's from her daughter, Laura, and her partner, Zach. Uh, and uh, from all reports, everything is going swimmingly well. She is elated and says that she's born to be a grandmum. And I can remember some years ago, we were driving along once. We were going to see one of our listeners and 
Uh, she said, I, don't, I just don't think that I'm going to get grandchildren. Oh. She was quite resigned to that idea. We're driving along. And so now there's been this huge uh, explosion of grandkids. She now has five. Oh, and no. that'll, that'll keep her out of mischief indefinitely, I'm sure. More, more grandma duties. There yes. Goes. Uh, yes. And she's very hands on. All right. We're going to say hello to Kelvin. And Kelvin had uh, the open garden last weekend, which I heard was very, very lovely, Glenfield Gardens. Hi, Kelvin. How are you? Yeah, good morning. How are you? Yes, well, thank you. Tell us all about it. Well, I just wanted to say thanks really to the radio station and your listeners for making it a great couple of days. We, uh, I think we had between, we worked out eight to 900 people through and Made about six thousand dollars for the cancer council, so I just that is amazing, Calvin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and I believe a really interesting garden, a quirky garden, and uh, a very neat and tidy garden. It was well presented. I got all the reports. Good oh, yeah. So that's I have that's a great outcome. And friends that help, yeah. So that's great. That's a great outcome. And uh, so, how many people would that roughly have been? A a, a good three hundred or more. Eight. No, eight to not between eight and nine hundred. That's huge. That's massive. That now. is massive. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you're not even part of the Open Gardens WA, are you? You better get on board with that as well. <laughs> uh, I think that that's it for a while. We, it was a done and work and uh, done, but uh, we we achieved the goal, and you will just see what happens. And how did you promote the garden? I know we gave you a bit of a leg up on Let's Talk Gardening. How else did people find out about it? Uh, just flyers that we made up and put in local nurseries and uh, garden centres that were sponsors as well and mm. local paper uh, and word of mouth, I guess. That is fantastic. We are thrilled to hear that. And uh, so not not happening again next year, Kelvin? No, for, uh, not for a few years, I think. But <laughs> you, never, you never know. You never, you never know. know. Never say no, right? That's right. Okay. Yeah. No, that's wonderful. And you are welcome. You know, we're here to support all the fabulous gardens in Perth and encourage people to get along as often as they can uh, to keep this wonderful industry uh, cracking along as it is. Yeah. Again, thank you very much, and we appreciate the uh, the listeners. Yes. Yeah, good, good talk. You're thank welcome. You. Thanks, Kelvin. Cheers for that. Yes, that's an amazing result, isn't it? Eight, nine hundred people through. That's a big And number. the weather was not kind no. last weekend. Traffic must have been amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it's really worth it. And like I said, uh, well, my, my daughter's just become a, a garden owner and uh, she's bought a, a house down in Cardinia. And um, so she's... All of a sudden, into gardens now, you know. So, it's sort so of, Dad had come along and help us uh, fix up. Yeah. The She's done a great job. Already fixed up the front yard, and uh, but she was looking for inspiration, so yeah. she had a few photos of things like that, that things that she liked. Because yeah. I mean, I didn't want to make a garden that I liked. I wanted to. No, it has to, to be yeah. yeah, represent her her and tastes. That's it. And I said, well, tell us what colours you like, and mm. so she liked white and pink and things like oh, that. Oh, how beautiful. So, uh, yeah, I just coordinated a few plants for her and uh, they put in a, a buffalo lawn. And the garden, the front yard, has probably added like $20,000 to the value of the house in an instant. Instant just, facelift. Yeah. So, yeah, people underestimate that, don't and, they? And uh, it looks fantastic. You know, it's a really good effort. And 
just need a bit of inspiration. So these open gardens are fantastic. To go and opportunities see, to, see what other people are doing and chat to people about how they've gone about it and how to care for things. And it's just a, a huge opportunity to learn, isn't it? Yeah. And a great day out as well. It is. It's, yeah, it's, it's really just, good fun. Yeah, cannot recommend it all highly enough. Okay, 94841927. Mark Chuchek in the studio with us today. We've got some more emails I thought we might crack through squire sure yes well i've uh, john's just brought in this one uh about onion weed oh the damn thing there yeah we go. so uh how do i get rid of onion weed in my buffalo lawn um and other parts of the garden and how do i kill morning glory so rick's... <laughs> he's got a few he's got a few issues there huh rick's got some work on his hands <laughs> so and i'm not laughing at you mate i'm laughing with you yeah. we'll cry we laugh or cry I yeah know. so really i probably suspect that um onion weed it's not onion weed in buffalo lawn it's gilford uh, grass what we call gilford grass so there's a bit of a difference yeah please explain so onion weed uh does produce a, a strappy leaf uh, from a bulb but it has a white flower and when you crush the foliage it smells like an onion hmm. uh, whereas Guilford grass this time of the year pops up in your lawn and verge areas mainly and it's a very thin um, leaf to about you know tw- uh, 10 to 20 centimeters uh, followed by a little pink star flower mm-hmm. and then that pink star flower is followed by a little seed pod looks like a little hand grenade and then of course when that uh, <laughs> literally explodes uh, it just sends <laughs> seeds everywhere so guilford grass um, uh, spreads by the little bulbils uh, in the soil and also through the seeds and that's why it populates the lawns very quickly comes up this time of the year now uh, it's probably been going on for a while and it's very difficult to control in lawns because there's no when I say selective herbicides, especially in a buffalo lawn, so buffalo lawns, because they've got a broader leaf, they're more susceptible to absorbing uh, herbicides and things like yeah. that. So yeah. there's a limited amount of herbicides you can use on that. Some people have tried to use like a glyphosate wipe because the buff uh, the Guilford grass stands up above the the lawn. Mm. They go through and they you know, wipe it um, at a height, which is so that the glyphosate doesn't come in contact with the lawn. Very tedious. Crawling along on your hands and knees. Oh, very yeah. tedious. So really, I'm going to say, unless you're going to pull them out, and even pulling them out, you know. When it's you, hard, yeah. You pull them out they break. and drop off little bulblets, you know, in so the soil. So you know further advanced. Yeah. And they, you're yeah. spreading it, if you like. Um, all you can wish is that uh, you get a like a, a flock of cockatoos come in because they like to get into the lawn and pick out the little bulbs. Have you seen that? Yeah. Where the... the uh, well, I often wonder when you see birds digging away at lawns, you think, well, there's something in there they like. That's it. That's what they're going for. They're little, uh, going for the little bulb. And so they'll actually dig down and they'll make a mess of your lawn <laughs> if yeah, you've got it. Yeah, we can't have it all. And yeah. uh, mm. But they'll just go through and chew those things out. Uh, Is that right? But, yeah, very difficult. I haven't got any... Bright ideas. Magic bullets. Magic bullets. And then the other one is the uh, the morning glory. Um, so morning glory, really the first thing you need to do is to have a combined effort with your neighbours because if you've got it on a fence, 
it's normally on your neighbour's side as well. and then down mm. the track on the other neighbour's side and things like that. Mm. So really you've got to collectively team up with your neighbours and the first thing you need to do is you need to cut it down. It's no good trying to spray it when it's all over the fence or because it, it's just too big. So you need to physically cut it off, remove it as much as you can and then wait for the new shoots to come up and then that's when you attack them with a herbicide and things like that. So trying to spray it as it is, you'll never kill it. Um, just doing it a bit on your side, you'll never kill it if your no. neighbours aren't going to do it. Yeah. So uh, really you've got to team up, cut it down and then wait for the new growth to come out and then... Attack it again. And what would you spray. use? Uh, well, usually those systemic herbicides are actually very good mm -hmm. because you need to kill off uh, the, the roots as well. Yeah. And if you're constantly um, spraying them and they don't produce leaves, then they're not producing energy for the plant and eventually they'll run out of steam. So they'll, they'll try and shoot, try and shoot, try and shoot. If you keep on top of it, keep wiping them out, eventually they run out of stored carbohydrate energy to, in order to shoot and then you've done the job. Uh, but it's uh, persistence is the key and a combined effort and a uh, bit of work. Yeah, a bit of work, all right. Yeah. Okay, thank you for that. All right, we do need to go to a break. Uh, when we return, we are chatting with Karen and we've still got lots of emails to answer as well. Curtain Radio. You are with Let's Talk oh. Gardening. It's approaching five minutes to nine and we will be going to the news at nine o'clock. We're in Queen's Park. Karen, good morning. That means I have to be very fast. Good morning. Morning. <laughs> um, I have a bohemia tree. Actually, I've got two, but this one was self-seeded. And it's about, um, uh, I don't know, quite a few years old. And uh, it doesn't grow. The, the stem, the, the trunk is very thin. And the leaves, it gets new leaves, but all the, all the time the leaves at the edges are getting uh, brown and, and um dry. I give them extra water in summer. I, I don't know what to do. It flowers now. It has got the most beautiful this purplish red flower. It looks absolutely stunning. But the tree itself looks horrible. And I don't know what to do. I've tried just about anything, but it just doesn't want to do anything. It doesn't want to grow. Okay. And it, as I said, the leaves, they come out. Uh, they, are, they are nice and fresh. But within a couple of weeks, the edges all get dry and brown. So the, the leaves are dry and brown this time of year or just in summer? All, all year round. All year round they do it. Okay. <laughs> all right. So the bohemias, are, they're also called um, butterfly trees or orchid trees. They look spectacular in the gardens at the moment. And really, if it's getting um, a line around the outside of the leaves, it probably indicates a couple of things. Um do you have a bore or do you just have... No, 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 no. We have skim water. Skim water. And have you ever dug down underneath the plant to check the soil out? What's the soil like underneath it? Oh, it's sandy. We're in Queensburg, sandy. But I have, I've always put mulch on, on it and, and uh, I, I gave it fertiliser and, you know, just, a, just an ordinary uh, all-purpose fertiliser. But 
it doesn't seem to do anything. I mean, it was, I don't know, sometimes plants apparently, they look like if they're self-seeded, they don't uh, really grow that strong. But it's, it, the tree has been there for, for many, many years, and it's about as tall as me and, and very thin. So uh, and it, never really see, it never really looks healthy. Okay. And I love it because it only started flowering a, a, about three years ago. It was the first time it had flowers, and it's so beautiful. This, this, these flowers are stunning, these uh, blooms. But um, I don't know what to do with it. Sure. I think these actually are, are tropical trees too, so they tend to, when they're young and small, they do tend to feel the cold quite a bit. And then, But if the soil is... Uh, the first thing I would do is investigate at soil level. So where the trunk meets the ground, mm -hmm. get down on your hands and knees and just scratch around and see that you haven't put mulch up against the, the trunk. Or if you start to scratch around, you might even find the soil is actually dry underneath too because um, even though we've had uh, rains uh, so, and things like mm -hmm. that, even in my garden I've got really uh, hydrophobic soil so there's pockets of really dry soil in areas and you mm -hmm, don't find mm -hmm. that out until you actually start digging out around underneath the tree itself so i'd probably investigate that make sure mm -hmm. with the mulch that you do put on is up not up against the trunk of the plant oh, yeah you know actually i always make sure that i don't don't do that uh, perfect right uh, even tell other people off when i do it <laughs> but it could be that even though i give it extra water maybe i should give it more more um, um soil saver or something well even giving it extra water if that mm -hmm. water is not getting down into the root zone because it's it has dry pockets underneath the soil then all that extra water that you think you're putting on isn't being effective. So, wedding agents, I'm a, a big fan of, and uh, there are also lots of clay-based ones that yeah. you can put on too. Mm. So, big fans of that. Uh, but really, I'd get down on your hands and knees, have a look at the trunk where it meets the ground, and also just dig down underneath the, the soil to see what uh, you can Dying discover. On. Mm. Okay. Good, thank you very much. And I've sent in already last week and the week before a couple of emails with some photographs, which I think one might be one of these wild tobacco plants. I don't know what to do with it, but I should, it looks quite nice, but it's growing like mad. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I should be. In one, and it, it has its flowers now. It has got these very small yellow trumpet flowers. It looks nice, but I, maybe I should uh, just kill it or. or Oh, okay. So the one with the yellow flower, uh, yes, is a weed. So um, weed. I would probably get rid of it. It grows like mad. <laughs> yeah. Anything that grows like mad, you've got to be very suspicious of, Karen. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's taller than me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it grew within a few months, like the tall. And it's got tubular little yellow flowers. Yeah. That yes, yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah, pull that one out. Mm hmm. Okay, just just put it in the bin, or is it is it really bad? So, or shall I just make sure that it's dead? No, oh, no, you can put it in the uh, the green waste bin and just uh, mulch it up. They'll mulch it up when it gets to the other end. Okay, yep. okay, great. Okay, good. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks Karen. For Cheers for that. Okay, thank you. Bye. Okay, it's nine o'clock. We've jumped up to 15.6 degrees right now, heading for a maximum of 20. It will be partly cloudy. Tomorrow we're looking at a mostly sunny day with a great maximum of 23. And for Monday, the maximum will be 21 and there will be a few showers about. And my Perth rainfall so far for October is sitting on 38.2 mils. 
and the average is 38.7. So we're going to smash that in the next few days this week, I would say. So our rainfall is going superbly well, Mark Tuchek. Uh, for the, the year, it's nice to be able to be positive. I know. Well, the, all the uh, yeah. all the creeks and rivers oh, up yes. in the hills are just going gangbusters. Gangbusters. So, yeah, Absolutely. So. All right. Now, we're just heading out to High Wick and we're talking about fruit fly. John, good morning. Good morning. How are you all this morning? Very, Very well. well. Good. Look, uh, my wife was just listening to, the, to your program. Unfortunately, I wasn't there at the time, but you were talking about the horrible fruit fly. I've got one orange tree in my backyard and they just about destroyed my oranges last year. Can you help me? Are you talking about a sponsorship that we were just running on air? No, no, no. You're talking no. about when we, when we were discussing fruit fly? Um, unfortunately, I wasn't oh, okay. listening to it, yes, yeah. Okay, okay. It might not have been us, it might have been... The opposition. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that happens too. Oh, no. But anyway, so yeah. there we go. So yeah, well, fruit fly. Obviously, you know, too early to be doing anything about fruit fly at the moment. Right. Um, lots of different things you can do for fruit fly. Uh, best thing is probably exclusion. Little exclusion bags. Yes. Um, and your oranges really. Um. It's all about maintenance too. There are different lures that you can apply to actually uh, lure your fruit flies away. Um, but exclusion bags, making sure that the tree is healthy as well too. So yes, yes. Um, if, the, if the plant is healthy and it's actually less uh, resist, it's actually more resistant to pest and disease attacks. So a healthy fruit tree will actually not sometimes not get as many pests and diseases. But, um, okay. yeah, fruit fly, exclusion bags, lures, that kind of thing. There's actually lots to do, but not this time of the year. Okay, yeah. And uh, the natural uh, tree itself, it is quite healthy, and I've just had it, it actually pruned back a, a little bit. Um, but um, last year, it's a... Uh, what they call it? Naval tree? Yeah. Naval orange, yeah. And, yeah, and um, normally we get beautiful oranges off it. They're sweet, and they're juicy, and they're nice, huge oranges. They're absolutely lovely. But last year, the fruit fly just killed them. Yes. Yeah, it's. And also, you know, hygiene is really important too. So uh, the, the fruit from that was spoiled last year, as long as they remain underneath the tree, because uh, that's where they, uh, you know, yes. reinfest. So you've got to clean up um, yeah. all that oh, rotten yeah. fruit underneath them, and oh. um, you can be lucky and unlucky with fruit fly too. So you know, some one year you'll get it, some years you won't. But oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, if I go to one of the actual uh, nurseries, they can sort of. Uh, Tell me which is the best one. Definitely, yeah. So lots of help at your local garden centre. So good time to get down there too and uh, prepare yourself. All right, okay. I shall do my best. And if I get some nice oranges, I'll even send you some house. Oh, that sounds like a deal. So, John, I'll put you back to Bev because we do have a new sponsor on air. And if you give us the details, I will be able to give you the details of this uh, sponsor off air. And uh, or you, if you tune into the program today, when we have our sponsor breaks, you may actually even hear 
here, the new sponsor, and it is targeting fruit fly. I'll put, I you, back to, I'll put I, you back to Bev. Yeah, we, we, we listen to Curtin Radio all the time. So well, there you go. You're going to hear it because he's just started. <laughs> just started yesterday. Thank you for that. All right, I'll put you back to Bev. Thanks for that, John. Okay, cheers. All right. Now, um, another event for your diary actually is happening tomorrow, the Northern Orchid and Garden Fair. Now, it's at the John Septimus Row Community School in Mirabooka. So that's off Mirabooka Ave, the Northern Orchid and Garden Fair, John Septimus Row Community School, Mirabooka Ave, Mirabooka, one day only tomorrow from 9am to 3pm. It will be spectacular. There are orchids, African violets, bromeliads, gerberas, herbs, fertilizers and culture info demos all day, pot sales and talks and so much more. So if you are interested and can get along tomorrow between 9am to 3pm, the Northern Orchid and Garden Fair is on. Recommend that also. All right. Now, let me see. We'll try and carry on with our our, our schoolwork here. Sure. Okay. Well, so Thank we've, you. We've got a couple of uh, mango issues. Yes. And... Um, so this time of the year, the mangoes are actually all flowering away madly. And um, so this first picture is uh, a picture, unfortunately, of where it's... Uh, the, the new growth um, has been obviously atta- attacked by anthracnose. Yeah. Uh, it's got a couple of issues there. The flowers look okay at this stage, but certainly this marginal area where they go black... Mm. Um, indicates anthracnose, uh, which they are susceptible to. And it's a bit of a trap because uh, they don't like uh, that wet foliage. And, of course, it's been a lot wetter Very this time wet. of the year. yeah. And it's a lot smaller. So a few things you can use. Uh, there's a product um, called Mancozeb, which is quite effective. And so I'd certainly recommend that. Uh, you want to probably try and spray and avoid the bees, like you know, obviously on a day when uh, the bees aren't active. So do it later in the day? Yeah, later in the day when they're mm. not, not so active. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so you just need to be a bit persistent with the anthracnose. Also, there's quite a lot of foliage at the bottom of this plant too, so I'd actually probably clear a bit, some of that away at the base to make sure it's not too uh, humid, mm. you know, close to the, the foliage there. Mm. And the other one here is, um, uh, this is Deirdre, and uh, she sent in a, a picture. She's um, uh, in Melville, and two years ago at pruning time, we reduced the tree's size by one third. So uh, it had a magnificent crop, but was getting too big to harvest and fruit easily. And now uh, what's happened is it becomes stunted, and it's got a few, it's got uh, blistering trunk areas. And um, there's a few tiny flowers are growing and some new leaf growth. Uh, the tree hasn't progressed in the last year at all. So it's, uh, she's probably on the, onto the right thing. She's actually sprayed it with mancozeb and anti-rot. Um, and the tree's been pruned quite hard. I don't know if you can see those pictures, right? I know so. there is another picture. I don't know if John's given it to you. Yeah, you can oh, see here's the, the trunk. trunk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so pruning it at pruning time. I wonder if they was actually pruned at the wrong time because mm-hmm. and uh, that's let 
issue infection in or something. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So most of us think of uh, pruning fruit trees in winter when they're dormant, but but mangoes are a tropical tree. Yes. And really, you need to prune them when they're actively growing in warm weather. So if that was pruned in winter, like you said, it's actually those wounds probably have enabled uh, different fungal diseases to get to in get there in. and infect it. And now the tr- the trunk has certainly cracked. Yeah. And not looking very good at the base there. Not looking very be- good at the base, but it also looks to me like they've actually raised the soil level. See that kind of um, wall around there? Mm. And I'd be really interested to know if that was the actual original level or they've actually raised that garden and put soil up against the trunk too. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's like rot. Yeah, so there's uh, rot there and certainly soil. So the first thing that you'll need to do is, again, uh, like that other uh, listener, if they dig down around the actual uh, trunk area and see if they haven't covered up the stem with actually too much of this soil. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that... Um, do you think that tree will make it on those photos? Well, it's actually gone backwards quite a bit. Yeah, I, I didn't like the look of it myself personally, no. but... I think she'll need to persist with that anti-rot, um, mm. certainly at the base of that particular plant there. Mm. And particularly this, there's quite a few large wounds developing now, which are another source of infection um, mm. on, on the plant. So I would stick with the anti-rot, make sure that soil, if it is at the wrong level, can be cleared away. Why? Yeah, The damage might have been done. Um, and then just, you know applications of fertilizer this time of the year because that's when they start to actively grow mm. and uh, hoping that um, you know the added fertilizer and things like that will increase the plant's own vigor so mm. just have to keep sticking with that keep working on it okay mm. we're heading to Parkwalk. another fruit fly question joy hello hello uh, it's not a question okay uh, i just i just heard a gentleman on about fruit fly mm-hmm. how he's having problems now i bait all year round I collect them all year round. Mm. Now, I, I have a, a, a recipe, if I'm allowed to give it over the air. Oh, you can do sure. that. Gentleman, if that gentleman would like it. It's one litre of water, one and a half tablespoons of cloudy ammonia, one and a half teaspoons of vanilla essence, and 100 gram of sugar. And I pour it into, after I've mixed it all up, I pour it into a very small um, juice, plastic juice bottle. And I put two holes in this bottle, maybe a quarter of an inch or what is it, five mil? Uh, not, well, I go in inches, I'm afraid, still. Yeah, that's fine. About a quarter of an inch. No bigger than a quarter of an inch. Otherwise, you'll get little small lizards getting into it. Right. Yes, of course. Yeah, and uh, with the, keep the lid on, uh, put a piece of wire on and hang it in the tree. And so, every few weeks, I empty it and put fresh in. And I'm collecting them all year round, believe it. One litre of water, one and a half yeah. teaspoons of cloudy ammonia. Yep. And then, sorry, the vanilla? Vanilla essence. Yeah, how much? One, one and a half teaspoons. Okay, and what was the fourth one? A hundred gram of sugar. Uh-huh. Track them. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that. 
You're most welcome. Okay. Welcome to your program. <laughs> Good on you, Joy. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay. Sorry, I'll let you carry on over there. Sure. So uh, this one here is um, uh, Judy from Trigger sent in a picture of her um, lawn and it's got this clover in it again. Mm-hmm. So we're just talking about clover before. We Ray. were talking about yeah. it off air because I have an issue as well. So clover is um, like an oxalis, mm-hmm. it's an oxalis weed and it uh, creeps along and uh, it has a little yellow... Uh, star flower. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's in a lawn, it's quite uh, painful to control. And this one's a buffalo lawn. And for starters, even the buffalo is not looking that healthy no. and sparse. So I wonder mm. how much shade it's actually getting. Yeah. And because normally um, most well maintained lawns actually uh, will be resistant to weed mm. infestation. So mm-hmm. if you've got a healthy lawn that's Mowed regularly, fertilised, wetting agent, well watered. That actually um, compete uh, with the weeds. But when it gets to this stage, um, there is a product. Um, they actually call it feed and weed or weed and feed weed the other way feed. around. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. And the idea is that this those products have got um, iron sulphate in them. So clovers don't like the iron, high iron content. And the way they work is that um, the idea is you put them on a, a damp, uh, dewy lawn in the mornings, okay, and you put it on dry, mm-hmm. and uh, what it does, it actually uh, burns them out. Mm. So it will, a lot of the cases, uh, turn your lawn black, mm-hmm. and uh, you think you've done damage. Mm-hmm. And whatever you do, don't go out and do it when you've got your white jeans on, uh, because <laughs> the iron sulfate that'll stain you. <laughs> Your, your white clothes as well. We've had people that do that. And so then if you let it dry um, on the leaves, it kind of just burns the leaves out and makes the environment, you know, toxic for the weeds. Mm. And But then the idea is that the lawn, uh, the fertiliser part then kicks in mm. and then the lawn starts to actively recover. grow mm. and recover and then competes out the weeds so that's how those particular products work so um, iron sulfate in weed and feed products are quite good put them on a damp lawn uh, burn your lawn and then after a couple of weeks they the lawn recovers and starts to go green again and uh, away you go okay and so. I, as I was saying to you I have that growing over my mulch and weaving its way through plants would I use a, a, an iron sulfate or like you, we were talking off here, you'd say protect the plant and maybe use something like a Roundup or something? Yeah, I think with those Because two, it's quite serious, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Be- because, um, again, they've got a little um, storage tube or something. If you pull them out, oh, yeah. if you snap a bit Good off... Good luck. Yeah. yeah, it's hopeless. Snap yeah. a bit off, they just regrow and they so just... So you've got to be drastic. I'm just worried about damaging my plants around it. Yeah. yeah. So I would really um, suggest... While you're spraying, because they're right in amongst the other plants, mm. it'll be quite tedious. So like mm-hmm. a physical barrier where you can actually mm. put a sheet of paper or cardboard yeah. and then uh, just spray those Steady plants. as she goes. Steady yeah. as she goes. Slow mm. and steady. Yeah. And Do a little bit each day. That's mm. it. And just stay on top of it. But mm. the idea is uh, if they're 
uh, flowering. Um, they can still take in the herbicide while they're flowering. You don't want to let them get to flowering then seeding stage too. Yeah, mine have been flowering. So. Yeah, so <laughs> I know, I know. And you know what? It's time for me as well. So what a rotten thing it is. Yeah, oh, so yeah. This, this listener has my full empathy, so I need to get stuck into it. Yeah. Okay, 94841927. On the other side of this, I think I might give away my uh, bigger tree voucher. Radio. 23 minutes after nine and we do get caught out chatting in the breaks don't we mark because there's a lot to cover off sure in our little break I know. and uh getting our information ready for our our, our next uh, period on air let's head out to two rocks we're talking about an orange tree arthur good morning good morning ray and how are you today? Yeah, yeah, very well, thank you. Still enjoying your gardening? <laughs> I, if I get, I'm just lacking time lately, Arthur. Do you know my day job is very busy of late and uh, that's taking and getting all of my attention and rightly so. However, I would like to get out into my garden a little bit more. I do not complain, however. Good on you, never mind. Uh, I've got a problem with orange tree. Uh, we got something boring holes in the oranges. I don't know if it's a bird that actually picks holes in it or whether it's a mouse or what it could be, but the hole is not much bigger than your finger, your, or my small finger anyway, not my not my main fingers, but not too big a hole. It's picking all these holes in the oranges. You spoke once before about this some time ago. Oh, okay. Um, hi, Arthur, this is Mark. So. Oh. Oh, Mark, sorry, I didn't introduce or say hello to you either, but however. That's okay. <laughs> Please uh, forgive me. <laughs> no worries. Um, well, holes in oranges. So uh, is the hole very uniform or is it... Yeah, pretty well the same size, most of the holes. You could put your finger in if you haven't got too big a hands in the holes. So they're right on top of the oranges. I, I don't know if it's a bird that's doing it or... Would a kookaburra do that? Oh, I don't think so. No, not not kookaburras. They're probably more kookaburras. They're usually meat eaters, aren't they? It's Mm. true. Yeah. So, but you do get lots of little birds which actually will pick holes um, in your fruit. Fruit, Yeah, they sort of. You know, so they're all about the same. You know, on the ones right up on the top fruit. So probably anything is hidden inside. They don't appear to be getting it. But okay, uh, the ones up on the top side and. Probably could be a crow. You think it might be crows? There's quite a few of them around. Oh, well, I don't know. I haven't seen crows actually do damage like that, but I would have thought they'd do irregular damage. You know, they wouldn't be... Yeah. Uh, no, no, there's wouldn't be very neat. There's lots of, the, lots of them. I don't know what the... And when you open the there. orange up, what's inside there, Arthur? Well, they pick right into the centre of the orange. Okay. Whatever it is, yeah, they're digging right into the centre. Whether they're getting the seed out, I'm not sure. They appear to stop about midway. Okay. So it's, well, it's definitely not a you know a bug or a, a larvae or a caterpillar. Bar- no, there's nothing like that. The oranges are perfect, but oh. they just go. And they're mainly the Valencias because the uh, the navel oranges come off pretty quick, and you, we grab them pretty fast. But <laughs> and you don't see anything having a crack at them. No, never kind of get anything. I don't know what's doing it. But yeah. Something's having a crack at him. You know what? It'd be great for us to have a photo of that, Arthur. Is that possible? <laughs> you can imagine just an orange with a hole in it. <laughs> yeah. And then right to the centre. Yeah. Well, I must, I'd must. i say it would be maybe a bird. 
Not, not certainly not a rat or no, something. Rats, yeah. rats tend to they, be messy. They dig a bigger yeah. hole, wouldn't yeah. they? Yeah. Well, they, they eat a bigger pieces, hole don't they? Yeah. The centre of an orange is quite a way yeah. in. He wouldn't be able to get his head right to the bottom. Now, I thought maybe a mouse, mm. maybe, mm. but oh, I've never seen any mice there. You no. know, you just only crows around is about all that I ever see. I know they eat the fig, they eat the figs off the trees, but they. Uh, they pick them to pieces because they think they're meat. Oh yeah, the crows get stuck into everything, don't they? They just <laughs> get into your bins. The whole yeah, they bit. have no, they have no boundaries. I oh, know. Yeah. So yeah, no, no, no good suggestions, unfortunately, Arthur. So without a Never picture, mind, it's I, a bit once before on your program, I heard someone talking one morning about um, holes in oranges, and I thought you might have recalled that. Uh, I thought they mm. might recall that. Or she, she might. She might be listening as well. So yeah. um, stay she tuned, might. Arthur. No, I think it was She's got a memory like an elephant, so it's highly possible. No, unfortunately not, or I would have remembered, wouldn't I? No, no, Faye has. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll give Faye some homework, so mm. uh, she'll yeah. uh, be onto that. So. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Can't Thanks help you, Arthur. Much. Sorry. Nice talking to you, and all the best. And Thanks, we'll catch Arthur. You later. Cheers for that. Bye now. All right, let's head to Greenwood. Ron, good morning. Yep, good morning. Uh, Ron here? Yes, go ahead. Hello. Hello, Mark. Hey, um, I've got two trees. One's an avocado and one's a mango. The avocado, I don't ask what brands they are, but the avocado's been in a few years. It gets flowers. Seems to lose not all its leaves, but especially over the winter, uh, it's just starting to get new leaves now, but it gets lots of the flowers, but never, and I used to get, I haven't got it so far this year, I've got all the flowers, but used to get little fruit about the size of a match head, and then they'd just fall off or disappear. And the other, so I'm not getting, I'm getting the flowers with no fruit, whereas the mango tree has been in probably eight years, it's quite, uh, you know, well formed now, but it doesn't do too good in the winter. The leaves are terrible. It's just starting to get new leaves at the moment. Yeah. Uh, it's about three years. It's been three years since I got any mangoes. About three years ago, I got five or six dozen. And uh, someone said to only thing I've done is someone said to prune the uh, the guts out of it. So I <laughs> I probably pruned it wrong. Yeah. Ever since then, I. I had one or two flowers which didn't get fruit. This year I haven't even, my neighbour's got, I'm jealous of him, he's got hundreds of flowers on his, but I, I haven't got a single flower again. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So he probably doesn't do anything at all to his mango and you're you're hovering over yours and uh, not getting the results. Um, the avocado, just going back to that one, is it very old? How old's the tree? Yeah, it's, um, that would have to be at least four years old. Okay, so it's still fairly small, not very tall. Well, no, it's about, uh, it wouldn't be three metres, it'd be two metres. Okay. Two to three metres. Yeah. Uh, when they're small, the avocados, they, they do feel the cold um, yeah, this time of the year. And like you said, um, depending on the variety too, some of them, uh, you know, there's Hass or Fuerte. Some of them kind of defoliate a little bit before they put out new growth. I think um, it's a Hass. Yeah. And also, when they produce flowers, a bit like the mangoes, it's super taxing on the plant to uh, support all the, the fruit they they end up 
you know, fertilising or producing. So um, great time of the year to fertilise them to make sure that plants got extra nutrients in, in order to support the flowers that it's pushing out and also the new growth. And uh, make sure that uh, you keep the area around it clear as well too. So uh, a good mulch around, but not against the stem, obviously. Um, uh, avocados do suffer from Phytophthora, so, but uh, if yours is just young, it's really like a fertiliser regime too. So uh, I certainly recommend fertilising them this time of the year. You can use an organic fertiliser, which are usually slow release. Um, you know, things like Dynamic Lifter, because they're edible. Um, there's a product out there called Seamungus, which I yeah. actually like too. So, I do too. And uh, that's quite good to use. Mm. Uh, a wetting agent. Yeah, but do that all now because it's the perfect time for the plant. And uh, with your mango too, um, you know, I've had reports too in different areas uh, because uh, rain can also do damage to the flowers uh, this time of the year as well. Uh, if you've got a neighbour that's got a mango tree um, doing really well, is his a lot older than yours? Yeah, uh, it's his older and quite, yeah, it is, certainly is. Yeah. So, I mean, I really wouldn't be pruning them unless you had to. Uh, we see that other that other person ran into some problems pruning theirs, you know, at the wrong at time. At the wrong the time. Mm. So if you're going to prune them, uh, the way the mangoes work is they, they put out a lot of growth very quickly, all right? So they'll put out a flush of growth and the leaves will stretch out and grow maybe like half a metre length. And, of course, then they slow down. And the nodes become closer together. So the best time to prune them is just before they put that flush of growth out and that way they can recover easier. So um, if yours are suffering, um, like I said, make a Zeb's good this time of the year if you feel it's, it's, it's getting anthracnose. So just Google yeah. that. and yeah. uh, But make sure you're fertilising now. Yes, I put the NBK, that blue... NBK, uh, yeah. yep. Yeah, I put that, but that's quite good, isn't it? It is. It's quite a concentrated fertiliser, but it doesn't do anything to improve the, the life of your soil. So yeah. it's just adding nutrients to it. So uh, I'd use a little bit of that, but I'd also use organic um, fertilisers as well. Yeah. And I also put, uh, what's that, potassium of something or other? Potash. Yeah, Potash, yeah, it encourages the flat fruit or something. I've put that on as well just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I don't know, uh, what do you think of that? Oh, if you're using a good balanced fertiliser, I wouldn't supplement it with something like that. Um, you know, my biggest experience with people is they, they tend to overdo it with things like that because they're quite concentrated. Mm. Um, you know, it's just got potassium and sulphate in it. You yeah. can end up, you know, doing more damage than good so a good balance balance is fertilizer mm -hmm. is probably better um yeah. to to go forward with yep okay uh, well thank you uh for that i think i'll head to some dynamic lifter and um uh see what happens mark and uh, ray thank you for your that's show. all right you Don't take you care thank you ron cheers Bye. and let's go to jundana we're chatting about gerberas with mary hi Oh, hi. Um, thanks for taking my call, Mark and uh, Ray. Um, 
I've got this. I've got these old-fashioned gerberas. They've got uh, the little strappy petals, and uh, sometimes they get eaten up. And there's been quite a lot of eating going on at the moment. And I've discovered these little, um, not little um, uh, grasshoppers, and they're sort of like the colour of a green, like a Granny Smith apple. Yeah, Katie oh, yes. did. Yeah. Mm. What are they? Katie did. Katie did. Mm-hmm. Oh, and what do I do about them? <laughs> Katie did. Yeah, very yeah. hard. Uh, well, oh. spring's a great time for eating, unfortunately. So. <laughs> Us too. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah, no, I'm only joking. But yes, no, the the garden is under is looking very um, scrumptious too. So yeah, nature wakes yes, up. Yes, it is. Uh, nature nature yeah. wakes up the plants, also they wake up the bugs in order to to eat the plants. Uh, uh, right. Really, these things come and go. But if they're attacking your gerberas, I mean, they're quite. Mm. Uh, visual too, so at least you can spot them, you know. Yeah. Uh, yes. So you can go out there and catch them yourself. And mm-hmm. the only only product I can think of, Mary, uh, that is a deterrent to grasshoppers is Eco Neem. I was just going to spray today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm just already with my big sprayer. Yeah. So Eco Neem is is a deterrent. Okay, go to give go it a go. go give it a go. Got then. nothing to lose. Otherwise, okay. you've got yeah catching them by hand. That's it's it. a very difficult situation. <laughs> it's, uh... Are they a grasshopper sort of thing or what are yes. they? Yes, yes. Yeah. So grasshopper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Well, thank you very much. Good okay, I... love. Good luck. Thank okay, you. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. And we're heading to Kundula. We're talking about a beehive. Kay. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks for your call or, or taking my call. Welcome. I've got a problem. I go walking with my dog every morning around my local park in Kundula and there's a beehive formed on the wooden fence. It's, um, are you still there? Yes, yes we're listening. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's getting bigger and bigger every day. I rang up the Shire yesterday and the, and the ranger and they said, look, they'll get to get onto it, but this morning it was still there. And I'm a bit concerned because kids play in this park and, mm. and if, um, they get stung. I mean, I've never been stung by a bee, so I don't know, but um, my, my dad was allergic to bee stings, you know, mm. but I've mm. never been stung, so I don't know. Yeah, it needs to be removed. Yeah. So, so it needs to be removed. If the shy don't do it um, in the next couple of days, who do I get in contact with so, that, so they can remove it, please? I believe that, like for swarms, uh, there's a WA Apris There is, society. I was about to say, an Apris Society here. And uh, I'm sure they might have members they that do. might come and do things Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. Right, um, yeah. But uh, the bees, really, they won't um, attack you unless you attack them. So if mm. the kids run up and start bashing the, uh, the, the swarm, mm. Uh, mm. then they're yeah, likely to like that, that I walk past it and the, kids, the bees are out, but, but kids uh, uh, sit on this, this little fence thing when, when, when the football game's on and things like that. Mm. It's not, not in the best position, I guess. So it's not in the best mm. position. And, and where it is, that they wouldn't see it at first because it's hanging from below the, the uh, cross beam. Right. Yeah, yeah towards the ground. So it's not that far off the ground, but as I said, I didn't notice it on Thursday, but it could possibly have been there. But Friday morning I noticed it, and then this morning I noticed it again, and it's getting bigger. Yep. So it's all G, yeah. So oh. I would suggest, yeah, yeah. Look, if you look up the WA Apris Society, yep. and they will help you. They'll, you know, you, you'll be able to tell them and pinpoint it where they can actually go and find it, and uh, yes. I'm sure they'll be able to help you out. All right, then. Well, thank you for that. 
Nice. Okay, good on okay, you. Take yeah. care. Cheers. Yeah, you have a good day. Bye-bye. And we're in Bentley. We're... We're... Sorry, try that again, Ray. We are in Bentley. We're saying hello to Lynn. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Good morning to you both. I'm just uh, replying to the gentleman that rang about the holes in the oranges. Yes. Yeah. Um, I had, um, neither of you were here last week, but I rang and I had sent a photo to Faye because we had a 40-year-old lemon tree that I thought was there was something wrong with it, but then I realised there were all these holes in it and it was the citrus. The lady that was on with Faye last week they looked at the photo I had sent and it was a citrus borer okay. that had bored and but the tree was stressed. And so and the, the, the bored say, through the fruit, Lynn. Was it through no, the fruit or the wood? Uh, the wood. Ah, mm. yeah, that'd be different. It's I'd, different, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, so, from... so I didn't know whether that would help or not. Um, and she did say that it, the citrus borer does attack citrus, but it's usually often a stressed tree, and this was quite stressed. So right, yeah, that makes I just sense. Didn't know whether that whether they do the fruit because the tree was long gone before I realised the little holes in it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it would be different from the fruit, and but uh, you're right. So, like I said before, um, if plants are under stress, they're more prone to pest and disease attacks. So. Uh, whereas this orange tree with the holes in the fruit, it might be just an incidental thing, mm. know, silver eyes or things like that, poking mm-hmm, little holes mm-hmm. in it. Don't know. Yeah. So. And the other thing I'd just like to ask you, I've got um, um, uh, an avocado tree. I had it in a pot, put it in the ground. It's been in the ground for three years. I've had a lot of flour on it, but the flour seems to have disappeared. Would that be because the tree is just um, adequately taking what it can produce or... Um, like it was just covered in flour and the flowers have just gone. Yeah, so no. again, if the, the plant becomes stressed at flowering time, then it won't uh, set fruit, it won't produce fruit. And if it's quite small, um, you know, things like avocados, citrus, you know, mangoes, they produce more flowers than they can physically support. So if yours has been stressed, it'll also abort any the flowers and fruit in order to put more energy back into surviving. Well, it's had plenty of water and it's all been fertilised and mulched and everything and it's quite damp. So I don't know what the problem would be. It's um, it's probably about two metres, two and a half metres high. Okay. Yeah. Also, it comes down to pollination too. You need the, the, the bees to do their job in order to pollinate the flowers to produce fruit. Mm. So, okay. Yep. So what do you think the problem is? Just a little bit of stress then maybe? I would say probably stress at at some point it's been stressed at the critical time of flowering when it's producing, yeah, when the fruit's setting. So, And it's a grafted avocado, Lynn? No, it was, it's a bit of a long story. It was, I bought it at a, um, a plant fair, had it in a pot, didn't do anything, so I thought I'll just stick it in the ground and, Three years later since we've been here, all of a sudden all this flowers appeared. So it's our first year of flowering and um, there was a lot of flowers on it, like it was just covered in flowers. And it's probably about a quarter now of that. So um, I just, yeah, I don't know much about it, so I thought I'd just ask you. I think it has been stressed at flowering stage. Mm. So constant water, constant fertiliser, making sure the soil 
Well, you said the soil is damp, so that's you can rule that one out. Um, but stress can be a number of things. It could be too much wind at a certain point. Uh, the temperature change that we've had recently for young plants, they're more susceptible to you know, adverse temperature effects. You know, they can't tolerate like older plants. Um, could be too much fertiliser. It could be dry spots. So stress comes in different forms. It wouldn't be um, subject to bore water, would it? It wouldn't favour bore water over the normal water. Uh, not unless the, your bore water is a little bit salty because they certainly are adverse to salt. Um, mm. So, yeah, too much water can be just as bad as not enough water. Mm. Okay, Dale, I won't take your time anymore. Thank you so much for your help. Thank you, Lynn. Cheers for that. Thanks, Lynn. Have a nice weekend. Bye. You too. Yes. Bye. Okay, back in a moment. Curtain Radio. 15 minutes left of Let's Talk Gardening and it's time for me to give away our Bigger Trees gift voucher, a $75 gift voucher from the immaculate, fabulous family-run Bigger Trees Nursery. Best thing to do is to go to their their website, biggertrees.com.au and have a really good browse and uh, and uh, immerse yourself in uh, all that Bigger Trees have to offer, including a $75 gift voucher each week to the gardening show for which I'm sure uh, the listeners are very very happy with and we always love to know if you win today what you actually spend that voucher on we do love to hear the question is you must not have also to have won a prize in the last 28 days on Curtain Radio and you must be a Curtain FM member so be ready to quote your Curtain FM member number two Bev the question what fruit was produced by crossing a blackberry with a raspberry what fruit was produced by crossing a blackberry with a raspberry? Give Bev a call now, 94841927. Whilst that's happening, Mark, we can carry on with our schoolwork. Sure, yes. Well, um, uh, interestingly, uh, John's just handed us a, a thing on bee swarming. So it's quite a common occurrence in September and October and mm. November. Mm. And... Um, uh, they, when bees swarm, they are most unlikely to sting. There you go, didn't know that. So despite their appearance, people should not fear them, just treat them with respect. Mm. When a cluster of bees are seen hanging a tree, branch or similar, they are not thinking of setting up home there. Yeah. They're just on the move. Yeah. They are in transition. Yeah. And uh, there's a big list of people here that uh, will actually come and take them away. So, mm. uh, mm -hmm. so uh, I don't think we'll... <laughs> go through the go list. Go through that whole list, but yeah. uh, there's very useful information from the WA APRA Society there. Yeah, as well. No, thank you. Okay, and you've got a couple of other emails, my friend. Uh, yes, so uh, somebody, uh, Gail's just uh, emailed in about uh, the iron sulfate for oxalis, and uh, she said that uh, in her buffalo lawn, uh, which is uh, she has part in the shady area. She's got a lot more oxalis in that section. Obviously, the buffalo lawn struggles over the winter months. Yes. And, like anything, it's more susceptible when it's not healthy, more susceptible to weeds and pests and things like that. And she even says here, in other parts of my lawn, in full sun, I uh, have no weeds at all. There you go. So that's the answer. So mm. uh, either if you're worried about uh, the lawn struggling in the shady spot, uh, don't have lawn in that section, yeah. Uh, because you'll always get you're always going like to be battling yeah. oxalis, and yeah, yeah you're, you're trying to uh, treat a, 
a symptom rather than fix um, make a cure for it. Yeah, so, yeah. You're always going to be going about it the yeah. wrong way. Yeah, I appreciate going about that. it the wrong way. And is iron sulfate um, safe for? She's got uh, roses and small trees around uh, in that buffalo area. You know, occasionally to put it on, it's not an issue mm. uh, because, like I said, it does uh, wash into the the soil after time. But you don't want to be doing it regularly. Mm. So if you know, you're always trying to attack. Uh, something like that. Target it. Target it. it. Yeah. It won't be any good long term. So no. short term fix. It's and, okay. Yeah. And uh, the other one was uh, going back to the uh, onion weed or Guilford grass. Mm. Um, so there is a product out there uh, called Allied. And I was saying to John, I, mm. I felt that this was a product, a herbicide more readily available to commercial operators and yep. things like that. So licensed uh, turf sprayers mm-hmm. would probably have access to this particular chemical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, metsulfron methyl is the active it, ingredient. The active ingredient. So it's a res, residual and pre and post emergent, uh, which t- uh, targets broadleaf weeds and Guilford grass and creeping oxalis. So oh. same thing. Okay. Um, so. Uh, it's still recommended here. You don't need to spot spray weeds as mm. it can kill different types of plants. This is well. it. You've got to be very careful. Yeah, you've got to be careful. So uh, here I'd still suggest uh, getting a licensed sprayer in for something like that. Mm. Uh, we did have um, a chap here uh, and said, uh, Guilford Grass and Lawns, my mower man suggested to mow the lawn every week, not necessarily short. That's yeah. why you keep cutting off the growing leaves so the plant has less capacity to store food in the bulb and over time fewer plants will come up uh, so they will be weaker. So, yes, that's right to an extent. Uh, I think your mower man just wants you to get his uh, get your lawn mowed more regularly. Um, Guilford grass is difficult to mow because mm. even with cylinder mowers, unless they're really sharp, they don't tend to cut those blades off because mm. they just tend to uh, bruise them and lay them over, if you yeah, like. This is it. And especially rotary mowers, they won't yeah, have any effect on Guilford grass mm. at all. Mm. Um, so I tend to find the best time to uh, try and use other chemicals like that timing is when they actually produce a flower. Mm. Because the leaves are very tall and they're thin, getting herbicide to stick to those leaves is very difficult. Mm. But when they flower, that little pink star flower comes you out. You can get him. Then the the herbicide's taken in through Go the flower through that. as well. Yeah. So I'd recommend you know a licensed contractor. And we're actually time. speaking to Envirapest next week. Rhiannon is going to be having a chat with us, and that is one of the things that they actually do do. So um, stay tuned. We'll be able to provide even more information about that next week. Perfect. Okay. Now, we've got a couple of questions. Going to have a short break, and when we return, we are talking again about onion weed and holes in an orange tree. Curtain Radio. And we do have a winner for the $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. Congratulations to Sylvie from Westminster. Now, my question was, what fruit was produced by crossing a blackberry with a raspberry? And the answer is the Loganberry. Well done. So $75 voucher is on its way to you this week. Do let us know what you get up to with it at the fabulous Bigger Tree Nursery. Straight out to the lines. We're in Belcada. Rose, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Rose. 
Yeah, I'm trying to find out what must I use for onion grass. Onion grass, is it in a lawn or in a garden bed? In a garden bed. And, you know, between my rose bushes, the roots, they have come out, the onion grass. Okay. And so your onion grass has got that, when you crush the leaves, that smells like an onion, smells like a garlic, that one? No, no. So is it just like Guilford grass, is it? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, we were just talking about this uh, uh, previously. Um, because they're difficult to spray, the leaves are very fine and thin. The herbicides yeah. don't stick to the leaves yeah, very effectively. Right. Uh, you, if you can shield your roses, then you can use like a glyphosate spray on them. Yeah. Okay. Does that affect the roots of the rose bushes? No, it won't, as long as you don't spray it on the roots, because you know, glyphosate oh. would actually break oh. down in the soil. So oh. it'll only work effectively on uh, living parts of the plant. So as long as you're careful to screed your rose and not spray that, then you can use something oh. like that. Okay. Now, I, I heard uh, Sue's program this morning. How would you spell the metsulfurin? Okay. So this one, you, you probably won't be able to go to your local garden centre and get, I suspect. Um, so the metasur I'm just digging up here. Give me a second. Had it right there under your nose, oh, didn't no. you? I got, oh, no. put it right at the base. At the bottom of the I, pole, of course you did. I thought we'd done it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so metasulfuron, so M-E-T... Yeah. S U L. Yeah. F U. Yeah. R O N. Oh well, that was correct completely. There you go. Absolutely. And then the second part is called methyl. M E T H Y L. I think its trade name is called Allied. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you'll uh, you you probably won't get that at at your local garden centre. So you'll have to. Uh, look for a yeah, commercial I've... commercial place. Okay. Okay, Rose, we need to dribble along, so thank okay, you so much, that's love. That's fine. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. And the gardening show today was sponsored by DeSacco Mulch. Make your garden grow with DeSacco. Available at all leading garden centres and DeSacco.com. Let's head to Mundaring. Des, good morning. Oh, good morning. Hello, Des. Hi, yeah. My neighbour uh, has, uh, like me, has got a lot of fruit trees, but Two years ago, he had a beautiful ruby plum that uh, it looked like someone had gone up to every fruit and stabbed it with a pen, and uh, about the size of a pencil anyway. And uh, we couldn't figure out what it was. So we decided it was a bug. So we picked all the fruit off and boiled it for quite a long while, sprayed the tree, and it hasn't happened since. It's, this is the second season now, and they're looking pretty good. All right. Sounds quite similar, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. As uh, you were saying, yeah. it's quite a thick hole. Was it a pinprick or just a, a it was a thicker hole? Uh, it, was about, uh, it just looked like a, a kid had been there with, with, a, a pencil. with a pencil and shoved it in. We thought, right, it, it was whatever it is, a little... Burrowed through. Mm. Planted an egg. But you never actually discovered what it was and you never found anything no. inside the orange? No, we could still eat the rest. Oh, they weren't oranges. 
we've both got lots of orange, uh, citrus, but this was only the ruby red plum. And uh, we ate, we could eat the fruit, but just not the part where it uh, was mm. had the potential. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just thought it seemed similar to the chap yeah. talking about uh, citrus. Mm. You do get little silver eyes, or little, peck, mm. little holes in like that, but mm. depends on how big the holes are too, because even, mm. you know, there are fungal diseases which actually. Um, you get holes in the fruit which produce that gumosis, you know. Mm, um, yeah. So that's you know, where the gum starts to come out Lose of the out, hole. Yeah. yeah. But that's a fungal disease rather mm. than a, a physical, mm. you know, little mm. bird or something Each like that. Each hole just uh, looked like it was going rotten just where the, the pencil had stabbed it. Yeah, and, okay. Uh, mm. oh. So we decided it was some either a fungus or a little bug anyway. We boiled a lot. <laughs> And they're looking pretty good now. Oh, well, you've done the right thing. Good on you, Des. Thanks for your call. Okay. Take care. Cheers for that. And we've got Danny of Subiaco called in, and she's pulled her Guildford grass out by hand, which is very painstaking, gently using a garden fork, wriggling, then wrapping leaves around the fingers and pulling so as to get the bulb as well. Time-consuming, but it has worked. That's it. Well, if, yeah. you, if you've got the time, and it's much more rewarding too. Yeah. You like you feel like you're, you're winning a war. Yeah, and, it is a war. <laughs> and, but, yeah, if, you, if you're persistent, so you're persistent and you don't let those – if there's little bulbs in there that might shoot up the next year, you get hold of them too, oh, again, and then mm. eventually you'll get hold of it. So that's a good way to go too, and bless con- you. Contemplate yes. the the world while you're doing it. Yes, yes, and uh, fix all the world's problems. That's it. Might be there for a while. Okay, look, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, another interesting morning, and appreciate you very much trekking in and uh, bringing in some glorious. Just quickly, can you step through some of the great? Um, plants you brought in Oh, today. right. Well, I didn't even get to talk about We've got even yeah. things like here. We've got the, uh, this time of year, this is the uh, the blueberry lily, and uh, it's a uh, dianella. Yes. It has lovely little uh, mauvey flowers, and then they're followed by a, a, a blue, bright blue fruit, which are edible. You know, so mm. that's part of the Tuckerbush range, and, uh, yeah, it's a great local one. And then we've also got... Uh, there's also a native leek there, mm. uh, which has a yellow flower, this one here. Um, a native leek. Native leek. Ah, gorgeous. But oddly enough, you actually eat the roots and the flowers, but the stems aren't that edible. So normally leeks, you actually mm. just chop up the, the stems. Yeah, yeah. Whereas uh, this has got an edible root, and uh, so that's part of the Tuckerbush range too. Mm. And um, so you want to learn about um, a few of these plants. I'm actually on stage tomorrow. That's right. Just yep. quickly give us those details in so case someone would like to. Yeah. Yep, so that's um, part of the Entwined in the Valley. Yeah. Uh, so we're at uh, Clementine Estate, which is on the corner of uh, Citrus Road and uh, Orange Avenue in Upper Swan. And uh, there's a free event. It's on uh, from 11 till 3. And they've got a whole bunch of things there, face painting for the kids and things like that. They've got different stalls. You'll be doing a chat. Having a chat on stage with Caroline Demo. Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yep, she's doing a cooking and we should be cooking with uh, native ingredients and uh, so people want to learn. And we'll have uh, the Tuckerbush plants there for sale too. Fabulous. And that's Clementine? Clementine Estate. Estate. Okay. And it's in Upper Swan. All right. Well, thank you very, very much. Our work is done. Thanking the gardening team, uh, Bev and John, and my gardenism for the morning is where flowers bloom, so does hope. Stay tuned for Jim Crinan and the Classic 70s. Thank you for your company, everybody. We will see you next week and happy gardening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. 
Happy Gardening!